Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young business leaders, welcome to the YBT Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 99. We are one podcast away from our hundredth episode, and I—if you had told me two years ago that we would be getting into the hundreds of podcasts, I—I uh, I would have said that's a great aspirational thing. But I don't necessarily know that we're going to get there. And now that we're we're here, it doesn't even feel like it's been that long. And so I appreciate you coming along with this uh, on this journey with me and being a part of this and helping share this with your friends, with your families, uh, with your business colleagues, because that's what helps. Uh, helps us continue to grow the podcast, to find great guests, uh, and and continue on with what we're doing here. I'm really excited today to bring on a, a friend of mine, a guest uh, that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years. His name is Brad Johnson. Uh, he launched a career in lawn care in 1984 and started Lawn America uh, back in 1999 and has grown and developed it into one of the largest lawn care companies in Oklahoma. Now he's since moved on and continued to uh, continued his entrepreneurial journey, uh, and he's here with me today to talk a little bit about some of uh, the things that he's done uh, in his career and some of the exciting things he's done since his career. But Brad, first of all, welcome. Say hello to the audience, and if you can uh, tell uh, tell them a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, thank you, Evan. It's my pleasure to be here at not, not number ninety nine. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. So um, yeah, I'm Brad Johnson. Uh, founder, I guess you would say, of Lawn America. I no longer am a majority owner of that, uh, having turned over the reins about a year and a half ago. And uh, But as you mentioned, my, my lawn care career goes back to 1984, mm -hmm. uh, when I started my first one, uh, which was Green Up right here in Tulsa. Uh, at that time, I was a school teacher, science teacher by trade, out of Oklahoma State University and uh, had a master's degree in education, was teaching school, and as most teachers can attest to, wasn't making much money. Not, I mean, I couldn't afford to support my family, so I wanted to keep my wife at home, uh, if, if possible, to raise our kids at that point in time, so rather naively started uh, Green Up, my first venture, uh, working out of our garage and um, kind of figured things out and yeah. grew a lot. and. We didn't have podcasts back then, but we had books. You know, okay. back then, yeah. old school, I had to go to the Tulsa Public Library and, and check out books. Uh, didn't did not have all the resources that are available to young business owners and entrepreneurs uh, that I, that are there today. So, um, talked to a lot of people, went to seminars, you know, trial and error, learn learn uh, from from other guys, and uh, eventually um, somewhat figured it out. <laughs> so. That's great. That's great. The, and the cool thing is, I mean, you've actually gone through developing, creating, and then selling multiple businesses. So you've kind of gone through the entire cycle. Yes, uh, three businesses. You know, my first one was um, went 10 years and uh, 
gosh, I wasn't even 40 years old and had an offer from triggering the big guys with, yeah. you know, for a lot of money at that time, seemed like a lot of money, and it was, for whatever reason, sold it. You know, sometimes question why I did that. Maybe I was a little bored, as most entrepreneurs can get after 10 years. A little boredom sets in, so I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, and um, before I knew it, I was back in the business. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, out of my non-compete area, so um, and it didn't go real well. As many transitions don't when you sell to a big, a big corporate company. Uh, so my old employees were begging me to save them from from that, so to speak. So I sent one up in Bartlesville, one in Oklahoma City, one in Northwest Arkansas. And before I knew it, you know, first choice was born, and we had three branches blowing and going. Um, did that for about two and a half years. I was tired of being away from home so much. Our mm -hmm. kids were young at that point in time and did not like how that was progressing. So I sold those, actually went back into education for a year, teaching school in North Tulsa uh, in my attempt to um, save the world, so to speak, and ended up surviving for, for one year in North Tulsa and at Monroe Junior High. And we tried, but uh, decided, hey, just need to go back to what I know best, yeah. and that's lawn care. And so my head, said I need to get back into lawn care, support my family, keep busy. My heart wasn't there quite yet, but after a while, uh, my heart uh, followed. And so I had Lawn America from 1999 for eight, 18 years, and it grew to be much better, much larger, much a much more substantial business than any of my two. And mainly, for, for, in large part, just because of the wisdom and experience that, that I had I'd grown up a little bit yeah. and figured some things out. And had a great staff. You know that that's obviously is is one key. Is maybe we'll discuss is finding great people and taking care of them uh, well. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I, I kind of want to tune into is kind of uh, towards your um, uh, say final years at Lawn America as you were kind of phasing out of Lawn America. Uh, you you took this uh, hike. And I don't think a hike is the best word to describe it. But yeah, it's a journey. Yeah, you took a journey down the Appalachian Trail. And that's a, is it a five-month journey? Is that right? It depends upon how fast you are. You know, yeah. for, for most people, it's like a two-week or two-month journey because they, they bail. You know, oh, they, yeah. they, you know, most people that start out to through, through hike the Appalachian Trail, about 2,200 miles, most fail. Only about 18% actually make it to the end. So uh, for me, originally, it, uh, my goal was a four-month journey, which was a pretty fair pace. It ended up taking me about... Uh, for, for almost five months. Yeah. So I did uh, finish it, but not quite as fast, but really that's the average is five to six months yeah. for most people. I knew one guy that did it uh, in a hundred days. And of course the record was just set, this crazy guy. I mean, he, he ran it literally <laughs> in, I think it was 44 days. Holy cow. I mean, like to kill himself, so <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'd like to tune into that a little bit because uh, I think that a lot of the things that we're going to talk about are going to come out, come out of that because I think that was a, a, a goal for you. It was something that you, you wanted to do and you were kind of trying to decide. And obviously, you know, the big question is why did you decide to do it? But then I really want to get into the how you were able to do it because part of that is uh, getting yourself and your business to the point where you can be away from it and remove yourself from the bottleneck of that and empower and, and really put into the people in your business. So I think, I think they're gonna kind of interchange a little bit. So uh, if you can talk a little bit about the decision to do it, where, where it mm -hmm. came from, 
uh, why you decided to uh, take this journey because that's that's a long mm-hmm. time to be away and I, I can I'm pretty sure there wasn't a bunch of Wi-Fi hotspots along the no. way so you had, you had to trust your team to be able to run with exactly you. yeah at um, the decision to to do something that ambitious and that challenging and where the odds are really against you yeah. um, and for some respects was harder than the journey itself so um, uh, I was at that stage, I think this was year 12 or so. Business had been great. You know, God had really blessed our business. We were grown, we had great people. But it was a little bored. You know, entrepreneurs get bored yeah. sometimes and they have to find new things. So I uh, actually got started, germinated with a letter that I got from True Green, you know, the old, uh, you know, the big bad guys that bought my first business. Yeah. And there's no way I was going to sell to them again. But, you know, they were, they were always looking for businesses to buy. But I read that letter thought, you know, if I did sell, what would I do? If I could walk away from my business and do whatever, you know, had the resources and time to do whatever I wanted to, what would I do? Boom, hike the Appalachian Trail. Again, mm-hmm. it goes back to your childhood, like lots of things. Because we, oh gosh, my first uh, trip to Colorado was when, when I was 10 years of age. My parents took us up there. Then we started backpacking with my brother and then my friends. We, every, you know, as, a, as a young young adult, uh, you know, teenager and young adult, we would go backpacking in the mountains just about every year and loved it. You know, it's hard, but it was, it was great, great mm-hmm. experience. But then the realities of uh, real life kick in, you get married, you have family, you have kids, you, you, you have a business, you just don't have time to, you know, to do all, all that kind of stuff that you enjoyed as, as a kid. But, uh, so I kind of threw, tossed the letter away because I wasn't going to sell, but then I got to thinking, you know, what, what, what is, I, did, I never stepped foot on the, on, on, on the Appalachian Trail or what we call the AT. Yeah. I started reading books and I read one to, by, by about the fifth book that I read on the AT as I learned more about it, decided to think, well, maybe I could pull this off. Maybe I could do this. And I read some more, talked to some more people. One thing that was unique about Law in America is we tried to really, um, serve other, you know, we had, we tried to help people and we, we were very active in the community. We gave away a lot of money. We, we gave a lot of, away a lot of time, little old company like us. We built two Habitat for Humanity homes in one in uh, 08, one in 12. And we were small, you know, we weren't that big of a company back then, but we funded it and we, we, our guys were involved every Saturday. We'd love to do that kind of, kind of stuff as far as community, because that's who we are as, as a business. That, that's, how I think any business should be is it's not just you, but it's the community that you live in and the families that are that are there on your payroll and the families in the community. So that's what we were all about. So I got to think, well, what, how could I frame this trip around who we about around Law in America and and give back to the community? Mm-hmm. So um, decided I'll just you know I could hike this and I could blog, I could promote it and um, do it as a fundraiser to raise money for, in our case, five charities that we had, we had, a, had a track history of supporting. The Little Lighthouse is, mm-hmm. is one. We've, we've been uh, active with them, uh, doing things for, for years. Habitat for Humanity, Tulsa Young Life is another one that I believe in. Salvation Army, we, we've helped. And then the last one is Folds of Honor, a great local organization yeah. uh, based in Owasso. Our son was a Marine at that time, deployed actually in Afghanistan, so the military aspect uh, meant a lot to me personally. So uh, those five charities said, hey, great, you know, we'll, we'll be all, all over. So our goal was to raise $100,000. Law in America matched everything dollar for dollar, so Law in America gave 50 grand, and mm-hmm. then we, we actually were able to raise the total 106,000 when all wow. said and done. So I did that through blogging, 
Uh, people followed me on the trail. I would I would find one of those few Wi-Fi hotspots, <laughs> <laughs> like at a motel or something, and I would send a blog about every ten days. And I was amazed at the number of people that, that followed me when I when I came came back. So, uh, but anyway, that's I framed it around charity, um, and so it kind of personally it fulfilled a passion that that I had is is doing something hard and ambitious and being out in the woods for four and a half months and, and uh, completing the Appalachian Trail, but we also did it for others. Yeah, it's a, I, I could go on and on about the <laughs> AT experience, but we don't have time for that, but it was a great experience. And uh, like everything else in life, there were days I would, I never did, I, I never was tempted to quit because I would, had pretty, I'm pretty, pretty determined and when I set my, my mind to do something, I'll, um, I'll do it yeah. to the best of my ability unless I break a leg or something. But I got discouraged and there were times, I mean, I lost a lot of weight, missed my family. There were days that the weather didn't cooperate and uh, it was very, very hard. One of the physically and really mentally and emotionally, one of the hardest things I've done. But uh, boy, it felt good to, to, to accomplish it though. Absolutely. And, uh, well, I like how you brought up family, um, and uh, I mean, that's a big sacrifice for them, for Absolutely. you, yeah. to be gone for that long. And, uh, you know, you also have your business, too, for you to be gone that long. So how, how, how well was that received when you started to, to put that well, out there? My me? wife was great support. Yeah. You know, all our kids were gone, um, so just my wife and I, and she would send me little, you know, my resupply packages about every four days. They, they would go to a post office box or to a hostel or hotel where I was staying. So it would have my uh, yummy freeze-dried food and, and all my uh, Advil and pills that I had to take for aches and pains and, and um, you know, stuff for blisters and, and stuff. So that would all be in my resupply package. She actually came out to see me, I think ended up three or four times. You know, I mean, I got to miss her. And, and so she came out with me in Virginia and uh, spent a few days with me. Um, I had to go home for three or four times. My mother passed away. Well, I was on the trail, so I had to come back for a week and, and deal with that, and that was tough to deal with. And then go, to go back on the trail after that was, was really tough. Uh, it was hot, and uh, that was kind of the, the low point, I guess, of my journey. Yeah. And again, never did, never did consider quitting, but it was very discouraging. And uh, had some great, <clears throat> what we call trail magic for my employees. They came and kind of semi-rescued me, which I wrote a book, A kind of Passionate Journey. It's all detailed in the book. Yeah, yeah. That I, that I wrote about and um, so uh, but then my wife came with me uh, as I was heading south in Vermont and um, she would uh, drop me off of the trail and I would what's called slack packing I would instead of carrying a 40 pound backpack I would just carry a little day pack with you know lunch and some stuff and it was much easier oh, yeah. <laughs> to do that with with a little day pack so I would you know put in my 15 18 miles and she'd pick me up at three we'd go eat a great dinner and stay at a bed and break it was great in oh, Vermont wow. and so that was really refreshing so I uh, was able to see her uh, four different times I think it was during during the trail um, I mentioned my employees um, you know in retrospect this wasn't the goal necessarily when I set out to hike it yeah but as I finished it I could see that it really benefited my business you know because we can um, tell our employees, hey, I trust you and I believe in you all we want. But then when you leave the business for four and a half months and say, here's the keys, go get them, Tiger. 
then that really demonstrates to them the trust and the belief that I had in them. And they stepped it up, especially my, my Benjamin, my operations manager, and my, my upper leadership, team leaders. They stepped it up and they learned. Uh, they, had to, they had to do it because I wasn't there. I would check in maybe once a week. That yeah. was it. I wasn't calling every day and seeing how things, I'm not that, that kind of business. I developed into the, into the kind of business owner that I could do that. You know, I see guys at conferences sometimes, and they're always calling the office. And, you know, I thought, why are you doing that? You know, let, <laughs> trust your people. Yeah. You know, and it took me years to really learn that, how to delegate properly and how to trust. Believe me, my first business, I wasn't good at it. Yeah. I was a micromanager probably and was had to be involved in everything. But as I matured and grew, learned how to, how to delegate properly and trust your people. And it's so much better. And it's so much better for the business, so much better for them. Yeah. So. Our company really, it was growing, it was doing well, but after that year, this was in 2010 when I did this. Mm -hmm. So at that point, the, the company really took it to that to that next level. You know, there's different levels as a business grows from a startup, <laughs> totally different operation. You get up to about, you know, 20 employees, 2 million maybe in revenue or something like that, a little bit different deal. Yeah. But then you jump up to 60 employees, you've got a, it's a different ball game. Yeah. So, um, at that time, I think we had about 35 to 40 employees in 2010, maybe 35, I'm not sure, but the business really matured and it took off because my leaders really grew. And uh, looking back on it, that was kind of one of the one of the turning points, I think, in our business at Law America. That's awesome. Well, that's definitely something I think a lot of business leaders struggle with is they feel like, well, first of all, their identity is tied to the business. And so yeah. if you remove your identity, what will the customers think? What will the employees do? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. And then on the other side of it, you have these employees that you've put in these positions and you say that you trust them and you give them that opportunity to demonstrate that. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes a mature leader to be comfortable with that because in, in your mind, you may be saying, well, if they don't need me anymore, what am, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, are the, is there going to be like a mutiny of some kind and then they're going to go the other direction? But I think what you saw was the other side of that where it's a, they wanted to make you proud. They wanted to, they had an opportunity to prove themselves and allow you and support you in what you were doing. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, they were able to really kind of step it up and start to make some of those big, big decisions and start to learn. I'm a big learner by doing mm -hmm. uh, that. I think that's what helped you get to that next level that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, they're going to make mistakes just like I made mistakes. We all make mistakes and that's how we, we learn from those. So a leader, I had to be comfortable with the fact that they were going to make mistakes and they made some, not nothing real big, yeah. but you know, it happens. Um, but is, is, is my business grew from, I mean, just my last business, Law in America, started out with, again, just me and I think one or two employees. My first business, it was just me the first year. I mean, I had to do it all. Harder, but, to, harder to hike a trail on a one-person business. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You gotta, and, and, but again, our tendency is, one, is we, the typical entrepreneur that starts out just themselves and then, or maybe a few other people, you got to do it all. You yeah. got to figure out how to kind of do everything. But as you grow, you got to turn loose that stuff. And you, then you've got to switch gears and find other people that have those those skills and teach them uh, how to do their, that specific aspect of the job. And you you kind of grow from, well, I was listening to an Andy Stanley podcast on the way over there, and the, and the guy he had on there from, uh, uh, he was a Coca-Cola franchisee, very successful, and had thousands and thousands of employees. 
out of North Carolina. Um, and he made the comment, which we've always always agreed on in, in, in our business, you're either serving a customer or you're serving somebody who is serving the customer or yeah. you're serving your teammates. So as I, as I grew as a, as a business owner and, and um, as a leader, I had to switch gradually from serving the customer, which I love to do, yeah. to serving my employees, to my teammates. Still, I still you know had to you know, wanted to get in and, and deal with the customers directly. I still love that. I didn't you know toss them to the side. And uh, but uh, you got to serve your people. You got you got to grow them. You got to take care of them. So as as a business grows, yeah, I think that's a, a great principle to to lean into because we're talking about serving leadership at that mm-hmm. point. And I think that um, sometimes, you know, you get to this certain level of like you have the title, you've, you've, you've accomplished these things, you've been promoted or maybe you founded the company and you, you get into this a situation where you feel like you're owed a respect or, or these people are here to serve you. And I, what I've seen, because I've been under good leadership and I've been under bad leadership, the bad leaderships are the ones that don't serve their people, don't empower their people. They try to hold on to everything tight because... Uh, they're not confident in themselves uh, in the role that they're in, so they almost need to kind of dictate what you do mm-hmm. so that they can they can be in control of everything. Yeah. And so when you get into that good leadership where you're serving those people around you because you know that's going to motivate them that much more as employees to say, Brad's going to jump in and help. Like if I need help, I know Brad's going to help me instead mm-hmm. of like. Uh, He's just he's going to go off on this trip or, you know, he's on vacation in the Bahamas again. <laughs> and, uh, he, you know, he really doesn't care about this. That, sh- that truly shows that you care about them and their well-being yeah. and, and you care about the success of the business yeah. because you're giving them the tools that they need yeah. to the extent where you're going to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. And some people, not knowing the, the back story or the details of my four and a half months away, would look at that and think, oh, you, you bomb, you free, you just left your business for... <laughs> For four and a half months, and went on this little trip, yeah, and this walk in the woods. No, it, it was a lot more than just. It wasn't about me, and that's what motivated me on the journey. Yeah. If it would have been all about me, uh, and just doing something to prove it, I would have bailed. Yeah. You yeah. would have been a part of that. Yeah. Exactly. That's 80%. the biggest reason why why eighty percent, over eighty percent of people, fail uh, to. to uh, through hike the AT, it's a it's a mind game, it's a heart game. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people can do it physically, yeah, and it's hard physically. Physically, <laughs> don't don't get me wrong, but it's more of a mental game. So there was nothing that was going to get me off the trail because I had a purpose, I had a reason, I had a why for doing that, and that was for raising money for those you know for, for, for the kids that benefit from Young Life for, and and for the for the veterans for. Um, you know, the, the people, the little kids at the little lighthouse right here in Tulsa, that was my driving force. And yeah. little did I know, though, that it was also for, for my employees. Yeah. And I, 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 my, my customers really found out about it. I mean, they found out, a lot of them knew about it, and they were all, they liked that. Yeah. They liked doing business with somebody with a business that is involved in the community. You, you, we know that. Yeah. And so that wasn't a, a big compelling reason why I did it, but again, as it, as it progressed and in retrospect, uh, our customers really bought into it, uh, also, and they were kind of a, and they donated you know, a lot of them, some of them donated some some money to it also, yeah. which was great. So, um, I think that's the exciting thing about the journey because the journey itself actually revealed things to you, as opposed to like you, you started out with the 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 question, what would what would be the thing I did if I sold my business, 
like and, and you so so that's what it started with mm -hmm. but that then began to open a door to so many more things which i'm sure you learned a lot along the way your team learned a lot along the way and so you know calling it a journey uh yeah. is is yeah. it's almost like a treasure hunt too because yeah. you're 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 realizing yeah. more things about yourself you're re revealing yeah. things about your character you're revealing uh giving opportunities for your your team to mm -hmm. prove themselves yeah. and so uh it's it's a it's a test but that test is is designed to make you that much stronger. I'm sure yeah. you dealt with endurance in your in your hike. You had yeah. to oh, yeah. create endurance to finish. You can't, you yeah. can't start that hike with no training, with no endurance built up. But by the time you got to the end of it, and I think I, I heard you talking about it uh, uh, in a different um, uh, talk, that you got you were trail was a trail ready at that point where yeah. you you were actually hiking and you were you were actually in the the shape that yeah. you needed to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. <laughs> I, and I've known some people as a, uh, that have attempted a through hike after the fact from, from here in Tulsa mm -hmm. that would get with me and ask for advice and I would gladly help them and, and work with them. And you can, you, yeah, you can train, you can get ready, just like you go to school, you go to college, whatever, get a degree, that helps. But you get into the real world, that's where you get your legs. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. where you really learn from, from trial and error, from experience, from doing it. And so, First two, three weeks on the trail, I, I mean, it was tough. You get blisters, you know, I was trying to go too fast. I was averaging about 18 miles a day. That was my goal. And in retrospect, that was probably too ambitious right out the chute. Yeah. Um, and you were in your 50s when you did it. Too. 56, yeah. yeah. Wasn't, you know, wasn't a spring chicken by any stretch of the imagination. One of the older ones on the trail. In fact, most of them are, are younger than that. And, uh, but I had the advantage of them because mentally, mm -hmm. uh, I, was, I was stronger than, than most of those. Physically, yes, you know, some of them you know had me beat, but but not mentally. <laughs> I like your um, confidence because <laughs> I had a reason, I had a why to do that. I had a compelling reason why I wanted to do the trail, and it was beyond me. It was right. for others, um, you know, in in for for people in need. That's why I called it a compassionate journey. My trail, we have trail names on the on the on on the AT. I'm not Brad, and you wouldn't be Evan on the trail. My uh, trail name was the compassionator because the journey was all about showing compassion to others and raising money for those in need mm -hmm. and um, but it was very difficult yeah it was it was uh, it was tough um, and um, but you get it you you accomplish something whether it be the AT or anything that's hard and you kind of beat the odds and you and you finish that and then you get off the trail and you think you can do it, you know, anything. I mean, yeah. your confidence is really <laughs> goes up there and um, it's like anything else in life. You, you build upon those successes and you're able to do, be even stronger and, and, and have more influence in other, other areas of life. I want to talk a little bit about compassion because I know that's something that you're very passionate about. Um, and I also want to talk about this trail magic. So, uh, real briefly, can you explain what trail magic is? Yeah, trail magic is uh, basically help, um, unexpected help, usually at just the right time from oftentimes total strangers that, uh, that do things for you on the trail just so you can, you can make it. Yeah. Whether it be giving you a ride, whether it be letting you <clears throat> come in and, and sleep on their porch, which happened to me, and yeah. let you take a, a hot shower in the room, total stranger. Yeah. And uh, you know, you, you get on the trail and really it's just a matter of food, water, clothing, and shelter. You, you get those and you're a happy camper. You yeah. don't care about the, all the other stuff <laughs> in, in life. 
everything you own is on your back. And boy, it makes you appreciate things like hot shower. I mean, did you did you appreciate your hot shower this morning? I assume you took a shower this morning, <laughs> so maybe, or maybe last night. Well, but, the fact that you can't tell whether I did or did there, not means that I probably did. There, there I'm pretty sure you can tell if I you didn't. Know, you appreciate a cold cup of water. I grew, for some reason, I had a hankering for cold Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. I just, I would do anything. I would go, I would walk two miles out of the way in some cases just to get a cold Coca-Cola if yeah. I was at a road stop and I knew there was a store down the, you know, down, down the way. I'd go there and get a Coke and get back on the trail. I think because it was cold, it was just so sweet. And you, calories are your friend on the trail. So I had to ingest as much sugary stuff and carbohydrates as you can because you burn, I mean, burns like six, seven, 8,000 calories a day. It's crazy. That's why yeah. I lost so much weight. Because you're going up and down. I mean, it's not like the river parks. The trail, typical day on the AT for me was hiking about 17 miles, about 4,000 feet elevation climb, 4,000 feet elevation drop. Oh, wow. It's con and you're, it's, I mean, it's in the, it's the mountains, the yeah. Appalachian Mountains. And so very little of it is, is nice and easy. And it's a hard trail with rocks and roots and stuff. And, and so, uh, you know, calories are your friend. But all, you needed help from from strangers and yeah. that's called trail magic and oftentimes it just comes when you're discouraged or at, 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 uh, at, at the at the perfect time I mentioned my employees you know the the low this was the ultimate trail magic the the low point of my journey was uh, I was going you know you start in Georgia and you know I was went through North Carolina Tennessee then I was into Virginia yeah and my mother had passed away I had to go home and then it was very tough to get back on the trail emotionally and physically it was very hot i mean it was 95 degrees 80 percent humidity and 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 on the trail the water the springs were drying up i ran out of water several times got lost in the woods looking for water got heat exhaustion really i just got to where i couldn't go i mean i couldn't yeah. and so i uh, called home and decided i was going to do a flip-flop hike which basically means you go north part of the way usually to harper's ferry in most cases which is the halfway point mm -hmm. and then you start in Maine at Katahdin, Mount Katahdin and head south and you meet in the middle. Yeah. And that's you still do the hike, but it's not a conventional uh, northbound hike where you go from Georgia to Maine all in one fell swoop. Mm -hmm. So uh, I decided to do that because <laughs> there was no way I was gonna make it. Uh, it was so hot and dry and in, in the water and I was just, phys I just needed to come home yeah. and rest for and check on my business too, which yeah. was fine. <laughs> And put our, our, our youngest son was going into college at that time. So I had one to be home and send him to the University of Missouri and, and deal with all that kind of stuff. And so I was home for about uh, two and a half weeks then. But going back to when I was in Virginia, I thought that I had, uh, my wife had bought me a plane ticket to fly out of um, Roanoke or someplace in, in Virginia. And I was staying stay at a hotel and I was uh, woke up that morning and I was going to go get my, I was going to go hike about 14 miles that day just to, just to knock out some mileage with a back, with a slack, a slack pack yeah, just yeah. in my day pack. And so I slithered out the front door seven o'clock in the morning um, to go to get two bottles of vitamin water, from, which is my daily. <laughs> I would start out with that and then I would fill those up with water from springs and stuff during, during the day. And there in the parking lot were four of my employees uh, out there with goofy grins on their face looking at me. I thought, where? I mean, I thought I was seeing things. Where did you guys come? Why are you guys here? Yeah. I had blogged a couple of days before and they could 
I was kind of down. I mean, they could tell from my words that I was uh, not in a good state of mind and I was uh, not depressed, but I just wasn't very up, upbeat. And so they kind of felt sorry for me. So they took a road trip and, and drove clear from Tulsa out to, to Virginia uh, to, to drive me home instead oh. of flying. My wife had set this all up too. <laughs> so uh, I was immediately, I was so, uh, so happy. Uh, a cold front had also come through, so it was quite a bit cooler then. It had been so hot and muggy, it was just almost unbearable. So uh, we went on a little 14-mile hike, and, and, you know, I was just bouncing <laughs> down the trail. They kind of struggled with some of them. And, and then we drove home the next day, and, um, and my two granddaughters were born uh, on my way home, too. Our son had been in Afghanistan, so he wasn't there again for the birth of his daughters. And so uh, it was just the ultimate trail magic. I mean, yeah. my employees doing something so special that you know, to this day, it's probably you know one of the nicest things somebody's ever done for me. Yeah. So. Well, I wanted to I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit because you were obviously doing this hike to show compassion to other people. Mm -hmm. Like you were seeing people in need, you wanted to help. It was a core value for you. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as leaders, and especially when we become successful people, we don't feel like we actually need to receive compassion. Mm -hmm. And so, I think it was a great opportunity for you. To actually see what true compassion feels like it's it's one side to give compassion mm -hmm. but I think a lot of times we get so far from removed when we become successful that we don't think that we actually require compassion and the role that that plays in it and then, and then that makes compassion that much more valuable to us mm -hmm. when we're able to give it in the next instance yeah yeah absolutely because you know being a business owner uh, can sometimes be a little lonely mm -hmm. um, being a leader can be, be kind of lonely. Uh, you kind of have to separate yourself to a certain degree uh, from uh, from your employees and, uh, and, and and teammates to a certain degree. But um, so yeah, we you know, as a business owners, we can't be so prideful and uh, and um, strong and, and think that we're so strong that we don't need some help. We don't yeah. need some compassion. We don't need some, you know a little on the back too yeah <laughs> and uh, and finding you know this organization I think that you're involved in is probably you know, one of the ways where you get together with other business owners mm -hmm. and kind of cry on each other's shoulders <laughs> to a certain degree <laughs> and, and learn from each other and share similar stories and it kind of helps um, you know build you up a little bit yeah. and um, see that we're all as business business owners leaders trying to accomplish the same thing and, and it, I think it's change the world, you know, have an effect on our, on our communities. That's really what we're, what, what a, a great business owner really should be all about, I think, is to uh, do this, you know, whatever business you're in, whether it be fertilizing lawns and killing yeah. weeds like we did or, or printing stuff or whatever, our goal should be to change the world that we live in and change our, our, our employees and our families and in the communities that we, that we serve in. And that's a big reason why we were so much into giving back in our community in Atlanta, America, as best we can. In fact, we, we strive to give back you know, our gross revenues. We, try, we strive to give back 3% of our gross revenues, not net, not profit, but gross, back to area nonprofits and so forth, which, you know, we were doing almost $8 million when it sold, and so it's a substantial amount of, of money and, yeah. and stuff that we either gave or donated or services. We, you know, we did a lot of free stuff for schools and nonprofits and in churches, whatever you know, we take care of, you know, of, of the grass for free, and that's kind of part of, of who we were. And 
I think that's important. Yeah. As far as a, a, a great business is concerned. I want to ask you a little bit about the so the, the journey itself. You said it's lonely to be a business leader sometimes, and I got to think on on the trail. Sometimes it's just you walking, right? So yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, most through hikers they'll start in February, March, early because it takes them you know six months to get there, and it's a horde going north. I mean, yeah. it's too crowded. I started late. I had to wait till Luke, our our youngest son, graduated from high school, so I didn't start till May twenty eighth. And a lot of people said, "Oh, you'll never make it. You'll you're, you're starting too late. You're never going to make it to Maine in four months. You're 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 done." Well, that's just. Served to, to motivate me, if anything. Yeah. So fine, you know, say what you're going to say, but that motivated me. So I started late, uh, but yet by doing so, I avoided a lot of the crowds. There's a lot of days I didn't see any. I was hiking by myself yeah. usually. Sometimes you would hike, hook up with other people, which was a fun part of the trail. Is develop relationships, albeit short. Sometimes uh, you meet people from all over the world uh, there. It's it's really neat and um, a lot of good people. Some that are you know little little. Uh, different, but uh, for the most part, they're great people <laughs> yeah. that are on the trail, a cross-section of everybody. So, but more often than not, I was hiking solo, mm -hmm. and but I could deal with that, but it did get a little lonely on the yeah. trail. I mean, it, it plays on your mind, uh, too, just like in the business world. You know, you get lonely when you when it's just you, you think, but um, while you have to look for ways to reach out and develop those other relationships, and gosh, there were days when... <laughs> You know, I'd see maybe one or two people on the trail, um, you know, hiking south when I was hiking north or, or vice versa, uh, or I would pass them uh, on the trail and I would just treasure those moments just to visit with for, for, for a couple of minutes and then, you know, mosey on the trail. So, so you never just walk past somebody and said hi, you always stop. Oh, no, uh, very, very seldom, very yeah. seldom, which is so, which was so weird. I remember one of the times that I got, I had to get off the trail and went to the airport. You know how you just walk right by yeah. hundreds of people don't even make eye contact. I just did it And it was so yeah. weird, yeah. you know, because I'm used to, you know, I wanted to say, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Where are you going to? You know, I wanted to stop and talk to people at the airport. Yeah. And it was so weird just to be able to put on my real world face again <laughs> <laughs> and just walk right past them and barely make eye contact, contact with them. Oh, man. So. That's, I, I guess my, my next question to that is like, so when you have those moments where you're, you're just walking, it's just you. Like what? What, what is? What, what's going through your mind at that point? Are you, are you talking to yourself? Are you, are you thinking about like, like books that you've read or, or quotes that you've heard? Uh, I'm guessing that you're listening. You're not plugged into anything, right? So you're. you're kind Sometimes of, I would, um, just to alleviate the the, uh, the monotony. I guess you'd say I had a little um, iPod. I don't think they make them anymore. Yeah. A, little, a little iPod that you yeah. put on, and I'd listen to about two or three hours of music. But that can be kind of dangerous sometimes when you're in a trail. Not dangerous, but you know, you, you need to be able to hear sounds and stuff, and hear people, and and um, so. Um, but that would break up the. So I listened to the same songs over and over and over again yeah. on, my, on my iPad. But that was fine. Uh, I'd listen to podcasts. I mean, there you go. You know, yeah. Every now and then, we weren't around in 2010, <laughs> so you get a pass for that one. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but usually, it's just you know, you and Mother Nature, and and um, you know, thinking about family, thinking about worse, think you know, thinking about uh, my relationship with 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 God, and and um, almost almost in a prayerful mood sometimes as I walked down the down the trail. So it was neat. Yeah. Sometimes it was. I just felt like it was just. It was just me and Jesus walking through the through through the woods, and that was cool. And along with a bear every now and then, and, and, and other other critters. And so, 
Well, hopefully you weren't walking with bears too often. No, no, saw a few bears yeah. and uh, had one try to sneak up at night one time uh, on me, and uh, he, he ran away. So um, I'm still here, so <laughs> All, all's good. I do want to ask you a, a little bit of a question, some of the parallels of being on, on a journey like that in your business journey. What, what were some of the, the, the similarities that you saw kind of as you were going along that journey? Well, as, a, as I mentioned, deciding to hike the AT or any other big adventure mm-hmm. uh, is almost as hard as, as the venture itself. Yeah. And when we decide to start a business, I mean, that's a big, big sacrifice. It's a big commitment. You're risking you know, money financially. You're risking your relation, your relationships in some cases, your your reputation. You're risking your time, and that's a big decision to start a start a bit. There's a lot of people who say, "Oh, I'd like to start a business. Oh, I'd love yeah. to start a business." But how many really pull the trigger? Same thing on the trail. You can't. So many people that I that I have talked to afterwards, or even hikers that were just out for a section hike or, or day hike, that say, "Oh, I, I've always wanted to hike through hike the AT. I'm going to do that someday. Oh, I wish I could hike. I want to. I want to do that." But they don't. Yeah. They wish and they hope and they dream, which is fine, but they never pull the trigger because it's hard yeah. to pull that trigger, just like it is in starting a business. And then I found that, you know, a year and a half ago, deciding to sell my business, you know, that's another podcast in and of itself. <laughs> um, deciding to sell a business that you care about with 60 employees and thousands of customers and influence, and, you know, it's, it was good financially at that point in time for me. Deciding to sell it. Uh, was was almost a, in some respects almost as hard as starting it. Really? So that was a tough, you know, two or three year process to decide when and how to to turn loose of that, mm-hmm. and uh, that was tough, and uh, you know, still tough. And you know, there's still sometimes days of regret and looking back, did I do the right thing? You yeah. know, especially in in light of things. And uh, but you know. It is what it is, and you, you can't look back, and you just have to keep going forward. So let's talk about the end. You you, you finish the, the the entire AT Trail mm-hmm. or Appalachian Trail. You, you get all the way through there. Um, you kind of reemerge back into society. Mm-hmm. Well, what was kind of like you've completed this big thing. You've had this big like life moment, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was your kind of mindset moving forward into the next thing? Was it reevaluate new goals and set and go that direction? Or was it, I, I got to plug in and get, get reconnected? Or like, how do, how do you build on that foundation? Yeah, well, it was just kind of back into into my world, which was yeah. my, my family and my business and my employees, my customers and my faith. And it was just kind of back. But but again, I felt I felt a little stronger. Yeah. I felt a little more confident because of what I, because of what had been accomplished and, and and how it turned out, and, and knowing that I had succeeded where most people fail, yeah. and I had succeeded and done, you know, was able to do, provide some some good things for for a lot of people, and my business, you know, grew. My wife even <laughs> would say that she benefited from it because yeah. I was gone and we missed each other, but yet she had to learn how to balance the checkbook, and yeah. pay the bills, and make sure that the trash was out, and fend for stuff that that I had always taken care of for. Her. So yeah. she would say that. That she really grew during that time time away, so um, but yeah, it was just kind of back in in the business. And then I decided to I, I had a speaking opportunity right at the bat. I had a lot of speaking opportunities. I didn't go out and pursue them per se, but uh, Rotary clubs and church groups and business groups and 
I had an opportunity to share my journey and in, in, in with with pictures and slides, and I just love doing that. Mm -hmm. I don't, don't I don't do it that much anymore, um, but that was fun to yeah. share my journey and then relate life lessons or business lessons, depending upon the audience. You know, going into some assisted living centers and talk to people that are you know 80, 90 years old, and they would love that. But they're also from lessons for them because one of the one of the takeaways from my for my journey, and in my book, I write about the journey, but then I also share some some things I learned. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned was the fact that it's it's real strong, important to finish strong in, in life. I, you know, I finished strong on the trail. By then, by the by the last month, I mean, man, I, I was in trail shape. I was accustomed to it. It felt comfortable on the trail. It felt like home. Yeah. In some respects, more than <laughs> more than the real world. Yeah. And I was, I knew I was going to make it because I was, I mean, the, the, I was, I could see the end of my journey. I'd knocked out, you know, 1,600 miles and wow. what's another five, 600. I mean, I got it whipped. Yeah. And so I was confident. I was enjoying it. The weather was great yeah. <laughs> during that last time. <laughs> so I could, I could go hike. I could walk 20, 25 miles a day. Nothing. Yeah. You know, no, nothing. I mean, it was, easy. it was, I wasn't even tired at the end of the day. It was crazy. The first of the trail, when I wasn't used to that and I didn't have my trail legs, 18 miles a day just knocked me out. Yeah. <laughs> it was just tough. So anyway, I learned the importance of finishing strong in life. Just like on the trail, I finished strong and really enjoyed that last last quarter. Uh -huh. So my encouragement to um, our, our, our older folks was, hey, finish strong in life as best you can, you know, as best as you're able to, because you have, you know, a lot of times there's some physical challenges. And use that wisdom and that experience you have to, to help others in, mm -hmm. in so doing. And like in, in my phase right now, I'm 64, I'm not, I'm not retired, but I'm trying to figure out how do I finish strong in life? Yeah. I'm not going to retire, I'm going to retool, or I'm going to retread, as you said, yeah. or I'm going to repurpose and, and hopefully use whatever wisdom or, or experience and, and talents I have to continue doing what I've been able to do for most of my professional career, and that's help people, serve yeah. people. I mean, that's what, and help our community, that's what it's all about. And, and again, leave our world a little bit better than what you found it. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all With about. So, so what I learned on the trail is, is, is kind of working in me right now is I'm trying to figure out, okay, what am I gonna do in the fourth quarter of my life? And I hope to be able to finish strong yeah. as best I can and continue to uh, have an influence you know, somewhere. Yeah. You said something a little while back talking about uh, talking about uh, your wife, and it, the question immediately popped into my mind is how do you how do you maintain a, a relationship when you're gone for six <laughs> months? I mean, you're, so your communication yeah. changes, yeah. right? Like how you yeah. how you display affection and and build that relationship changes. So yeah. um, you you actually had to kind of make up for maybe things that you normally would do through like a very limited channel at that point. Yeah, so yeah. How, how were you able to kind of keep that going strong? Yeah, well, you know, what, what is it they say? Absence makes the heart grow fonder or something like yeah. that. And or so we learned, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we learned to appreciate uh, each other even more. And, um, you know, thankfully with, with modern technology, we had an iPhone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, most of the trail, you could have coverage. Some, some of the, the trail ridges were dead. So, but uh, there's a lot of days I was able to call her uh, or text her, and um, or send an email, or, or, or whatever, and with her and, and, and with my kids also. Um, like I remember one time, 
it was early, about the second, third week in the trail. I was still kind of halfway delirious by you know, four or five o'clock every day because I was so tired and just ready to get to the next campsite and, and make my make my little campsite or the, the shelter. I was up in the woods, you know, most of the trail is just, you're covered with dense, dark woods. It's called a long green tunnel because you very seldom see the sun, in, at least in the southern Appalachians. So I, all of a sudden I heard this duck quacking, you know, quack, 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 I thought. There's no duck, I mean, we're 4,000 feet, there's not any ducks up here, there's no, and about a minute later I heard the same thing. I heard a duck quacking, yeah. quack, quack, quack. And I thought I was just going nuts, I thought I was losing it. But then I remembered that my iPhone, I had the, uh, the calls, Tone for my my daughter was was a duck quacking. Uh, <laughs> so it was her trying to call me because yeah. I'd just gotten into into cell cell phone coverage anyway. So, but we were able to talk to each other and see again see each other. She came to meet with me on the trail several times, and I had to go home for for stuff. I think three three or four times too. So we were able to see each other. I think the longest we went was six weeks maybe without Oof. seeing each other. So, but you know people do that all. I mean my son. Yeah, it's all relative. You know he was a marine in Afghanistan away from his family and away from the birth of his daughters yeah. and away from his wife for um, four months, I believe it was. And he was being shot at. You know? <laughs> and he was carrying 100 pounds on his back rather than 40 pounds. So who am I to feel sorry for myself? Yeah. You know, when, when my son and, and his buddies uh, over in Afghanistan fighting for, for, for our country and, and, for, and for good things were under such hardships away from their family. So hey, it's all relative. Yeah, I always give my guests kind of an opportunity to, to speak directly to the audience and, and give kind of your message to young business leaders. I know you, you talked about finishing strong with some of that older generation when you were uh, going to those nursing homes and talking to those people. But what would your message be based on kind of the, the experience that you have up to this point and to somebody who's maybe just getting started in their entrepreneurial yeah. journey or starting to get uh, going in a leadership yeah. role? As, as I think back to, you know, to my, with my journey, uh, Gosh, it really starts when we were kids, I think. If, if we want to know who we are and where our strengths are and where our passions are, look back to your childhood. Because as, as I look back to my child, I was an entrepreneur back then. I didn't know it. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be. But I was, you know, ran a paper route back in the days when kids would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah. and go deliver papers. Uh, that's pretty old school. You know, worked at a lot of places, washing dishes, waiting tables, painted houses on the side, you know, chopped wood, delivered wood. I actually raised, when I was like 12, actually raised baby guinea pigs in the backyard. <laughs> we, we lived, we a little three bedroom, one house, one, one bedroom house, and, and we lived over in the 11th and Yale area, and there used to be a Sade music company up at 11th and Yale. Somehow I went up there and got a big box, wooden crate that they boxed pianos in, hauled it about four blocks to our house. I can't remember how I, how I did it. We set it up in the backyard, and I put guinea pigs in there, and let them munch on the grass. Yeah. And then I'd move it and let them munch, munch, and they'd have babies. Of course, in our back, you know, here I am. I ended up being in a lawn care business. Who knows? But our backyard had these little rectangle squares of just dirt here and there <laughs> from where I had the the box where the guinea pigs would eat the eat the food. But I would raise guinea pigs, and they were very prolific. You know, they'd have five or six, seven babies at a time, and my mom would haul me to the um, to the pet store, and I'd sell those little baby guinea pigs to the pet store for a buck each. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> stuff, goofy stuff like that, picking blackberries and selling them. So I, looking back, I always enjoyed working hard, kind of doing things on my own and making some bucks, you know, making some money for whatever reason. So that's what kind of got me into my first business, real business in, in 84 is um, 
I just wanted to support my, you know, my family and, and um, work hard, in this case outdoors, because um, I enjoyed working outdoors. That was, a, was something that I liked. And uh, try to support my family. But um, little did I know, I didn't realize at that point, though, all the other positive benefits that a business owner and entrepreneur can have for, for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and their, their teammates, their employees, their family employees, families, the community as a whole. That's something that grew over the years and I began to appreciate much more as I grew older and um, saw a lot more value in, in, in that. So um, again, I, I tried to read every book I could find uh, and it's so much easier, again, as I mentioned with the internet, everything you can learn. I mean, I learned last few or four years we've lived on a little farm and we've raised goats and cattle and grown blueberries. And I mean, I'm a YouTube farmer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not a very good one either. So I've learned how to, how to raise cattle and goats and stuff from, 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 from the internet. Yeah. And back in, we read, you know, bought some books too, like goat farming for dummies and stuff like that. But read everything you can get your hands on. Listen to podcasts. You know, there's so much available. You can't just go out there and wing it. And I see, so many young business owners, especially, they go out and do stuff and they don't try, they don't read. I've always an advocate of reading and, and, and learning. Even at my age, I'm still reading business books yeah. and other books, even it's even though I'm, I'm, I'm 64, because there's still, I'm still listening to podcasts because there's still a lot for me to learn. And for the younger business owners, there's so much for you to learn. So, um, you know, digest that stuff in, in and, and read it and listen to it and develop friendships and relationships with other business owners and, that have been there and done that. And um, maybe uh, are a little bit wiser uh, than, 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 than they are, yeah. uh, hopefully. Some of them aren't, <laughs> but, but there's a lot of them that, that, that are. And, and, and they're, a lot of guys are, are glad to share that, that wisdom that, that they have, 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 have learned over the years. Awesome. Well, Brad, thank you for taking the time to speak to my audience to kind of share a little bit of your journey, uh, especially the Appalachian Trail journey. I think that's that's amazing, and we'll definitely have to have you come back again and talk about uh, the other part of your business, which is you know kind of deciding to sell and go through that process. Because you know we want to be that resource for the listeners that uh, you know no matter where you are in that entrepreneurial journey or where you are in that phase of life, that um, we can hopefully bring you some things that uh, you can either to aspire to or things that you can implement right away. But uh, regardless of that, th- there's so much good stuff in here in terms of having that, having that real reason why you want to do something, why you want to accomplish it, and let that be your motivation. Uh, and building those relationships and being compassionate and, and, and showing that compassion to other people. And in some cases, being able to receive compassion and, and, and really put a value on, on what those things are. So with that man thank you so much for being a part of this and and for all you do for the community i'm really excited to see like you said as as you were in the fourth quarter of your life you're you're in trail shape for life now and so i'm really excited to kind of see what that next thing is for you as you as you go and you finish strong so with that listeners remember choose to connect seek development and be inspired we'll catch you on the next podcast Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com.
If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.